you've probably picked up on the fact that it's too soon to make a bonfire out of your face masks. In fact, mask mandates are back on here and there, such as for unvaccinated federal employees who want to return to the office. A sort of mini-mask war, though, has broken out in Congress, as we hear from WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And Mitchell, first of all, let's get to the Capitol Hill reaction that you have heard so far on the way the Biden administration is treating vaccines and federal employees. Right. Well, Congress is reacting to these requirements like the unions are that are representing various federal workers. There's disagreement over making these requirements. Virginia, Maryland and D.C., as you know, have hundreds of thousands of federal workers. And I spoke to Virginia Senator Tim Kaine about the new requirements. He believes that they are fair. And as a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, he says he applauds the VA for being the lead agency early last week to announce its plan to require vaccinations for its frontline health care workers last week. Jerry Connolly who also has a lot of federal workers and contractors within his district. He is also supporting all of these plans related to the president's announcement. But on the other side, many Republicans are sharply critical of new requirements, saying this is just another example of federal overreach. And they're also focusing their ire at the CDC. Some, including Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, have called for the General Accounting Office to investigate the CDC for its latest guidelines and how they came about reversing some of the changes that had been made earlier on mask wearing. So a little bit of a battle here going on on Capitol Hill. And are the members themselves battling some masked, some unmasked? Absolutely. This is a huge battle here on Capitol Hill. Now, of course, with the House leaving town, that battle will subside for a while. But last week, it really broke out in a big way. At one point, House Speaker Pelosi calling the House's top Republican, Kevin McCarthy, a moron. She later softened some of that language, but he went right back at her and had a lot of critical things again to say about the CDC, as Marco Rubio has had. And in terms of actually wearing their masks, it's really interesting because 100 percent of Democrats say they have been vaccinated here on Capitol Hill. However, if you do the math, Kevin McCarthy says about 85 percent overall of lawmakers have been vaccinated, and that leaves at least 60 or more Republican lawmakers who have not been vaccinated or at least who have not publicly acknowledged they've been vaccinated. And this has really caused a big clash. There was actually a moment last week where many House Republicans walked across the rotation Tunda here at the Capitol, basically to make the point that the House is being required to wear masks on the House floor, whereas in the smaller Senate, where virtually everyone is vaccinated, there is not a requirement, but only a recommendation. So here in the Capitol complex itself, you do see everybody, again, wearing masks for the most part, but there are some lawmakers who are not, and several of them have actually been fined $500. A few of them are filing suit in U.S. District Court to try to get that reversed. So it's a big battle here on Capitol Hill. Crazy. Like they say, we're better than our politicians. And (laughs) meanwhile, they have been doing some work on behalf of the nation here. And there was a House passed package of seven of the spending bills for 2022. So that looks like a little piece of progress. That's right. Whether or not there's still battle going on with masks, they are getting some things done. The House late last week passing that seven bill minibus, $600 billion. And it also includes earmarks for the first time in a while. Of course, this funds several federal agencies, including agriculture, 
agriculture, transportation, labor, education, health and human services. Among those, education would get an increase of about 40 percent. So the House now overall has passed nine of its annual spending bills. But as you know, we are still not on track to get everything done by October 1st. And that means Congress is still headed toward a likely continuing resolution to prevent another government shutdown about two months from now. Meanwhile, on the Senate side, appropriators this week starting their work. They're marking up the first of three spending bills for agriculture, energy, and veterans affairs, which are, frankly, in terms of uh, appropriations, sort of the low-hanging fruit for senators. But of course, they cannot get all of these done on time before they break later this week. So there are still some trouble spots in terms of appropriations. They're the ones that are usually a lot more difficult to sort out where you have progressives and centrists with different goals. And those include funding for the Pentagon, Homeland Security, and the Justice Department. We're speaking with Mitchell Miller, Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP. And you mentioned before they leave, what is the schedule looking like for the next few weeks? It's really interesting, especially with this two-track plan for infrastructure. So senators and staff worked through the weekend on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. They formally have open debate on the $1 trillion package, and that includes, of course, $550 billion in new spending covering hard infrastructure items like roads, bridges, water systems, broadband, and the like. And they are trying to also get a budget resolution together for the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation part of the infrastructure package. Democrats, since they're going it alone, are going to try to hold together their conference. Of course, need all 50 votes to go through reconciliation. Still a bit of a question about what's going on with West Virginia's Joe Manchin and Arizona's Kirsten Cinema. They say they're basically willing to move this process forward, but they do have some concerns about the cost. But even if everything were to fall into place, as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer would like this week, these massive pieces of legislation are still really not going to get final approval until later this year. And then there's also the question about what is going on with the House. Of course, the House is now on break and is not scheduled to be back until September. But if things go the way some of the Democrats hope, they will possibly be called back sometime this month. So we'll see what happens. But still a lot of twists and turns on this infrastructure packaging. It's really very interesting. A high wire act, of course, for the Senate Majority Leader as he tries to get both of these massive spending plans moved through Congress. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of work to do. And also the hearing, there was one hearing at least on the January 6th breach of the Capitol. That seemed inconclusive, although we heard some more horrifying details of what did go on there vis-a-vis the Capitol Hill police members that testified. What happens next here, if anything? Well, the committee, the select committee from the House has met again. They met again on Friday, and they're basically trying to plot out their game plan for the next few months. Uh, Of course, that big hearing last week where you had two Capitol Police officers as well as two MPD or D.C. police officers testify, as you said, uh, really brought a lot of attention back to this issue because January 6th, as some of the officers said, has never gone away for them. And it really has not gone away for a lot of the lawmakers here on Capitol Hill. So I think the chairman, Benny Thompson, the Mississippi congressman, has indicated that he wants to keep things moving. And he indicated before the House broke that they would possibly come back sometime later this month. They're still trying to determine whether that would actually be a hearing and who would be called. In the meantime, they're trying to figure out who they might 
might subpoena and who might be likely witnesses. Uh, there's a lot of talk about whether or not former President Trump could actually somehow be subpoenaed. But that, of course, would probably lead to a very lengthy legal battle. But there are others that they're talking about, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who spoke with the former president on January 6th, as well as some other lawmakers who were involved in that day. So a lot of things still moving forward on January 6th. Some Republicans say that Democrats are just trying to drag this out and trying to cause political damage as we go into the midterms next year. Mitchell Miller is WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent. Thanks so much. You bet. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most 
was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. 
It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.